Well, hello, everyone. You've reached Michelle Moross at Mental Shift, Reach Your Full Potential. And if you stumbled across Mental Shift and you're watching or you're listening and you're like, who is this lady I've stumbled across? My name is Michelle Moross. I'm an international speaker. I'm a speaker coach and I'm a communications trainer. Oh, I forgot. I also wrote two books and I happen to be the host of this podcast, Mental Shift. Now, if you don't know who I am, please look me up. I'm all over social media with my name, Michelle Moross. And you can also just go to my website or subscribe to my YouTube page. Both my name, michellemoross.com or youtube.com forward slash Michelle Moross. So find me. But thank you for joining us today. Today, I have a friend of mine. I met her at a boot camp called Breakthrough Business Boot Camp out in Denver. And a we have a mutual friend named Gary Barnes who introduced us all. Now, what was I gonna say? This lady is amazing. When I heard a bit of her story, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, the things she's done. But she is an adventure coach and a speaker, and she helps adventurous entrepreneurs reach their potential, which is, I thought, so convenient for the name of my podcast. Please, please, please have a warm welcome and enjoy this next this conversation coming up with Renee Kessler. And I'll, I'll have her name so you can find her website because her website's also her name. And just listen to the story and you'll be able to learn more about her like I'm learning about her today because I'm diving deep today. So please, thank you for joining me, Renee. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, this will be fun. It will be. Now, you've accidentally touched on some of your past and some of the things you've done. And I remember thinking, she's a tiny little lady. She's done so much. And I know I shouldn't say that, but you are an adventurer. I mean, you've done some things that most people would look at you and do, nah, she wouldn't have done that. But she has. You've got to surprise the, surprise the audience. What is the most outrageous thing you have ever done for your book, in your mind? my mind oh my goodness that's a hard one because i've done a lot of outrageous things over my over my career and my lifetime um you know i think um i i started my passion for the outdoors when i was a child really and uh, i spent a lot of times we lived in the country so i would always go across the woods uh whether i got in trouble i would run away to the woods or just wander around the woods at any any time I got bored. And uh, I just became very comfortable in nature and by myself and very, you know, grew in independence. And, and um, you know, my other siblings would go too, but oftentimes I would go by myself. And then as I, I grew and went through college and graduate school and so forth, I landed a job as a professor of outdoor and environmental education. And I thought, this is perfect. I climbed my first mountain many, many years ago, should I say 1977. And I wanted to relive that experience over and over again, because I realized um, it unearthed my, my, my passions and what it takes to be focused and determined and um, enlightened by an experience. And we all have, I shouldn't say we all have them, but many of us do. And we do, then we tend to move in that direction. And uh, I thought when I got down from that mountain, I woke up the next morning and said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Money's never been a driving force for me. 
but um, having the internal drive and the passion and the inspiration um, makes me feel alive. And so that aliveness is such a cool thing to, as a speaker, as you well know, and as a coach, if I'm not inspired and if I am not enlightened by um, other people or what I've done, then, then I become just, just an everyday kind of drab mediocrity kind of girl. You become complacent and that's not you. Yeah. Uh, so much so that you wrote a book and it's called 15 Empowering Steps to Reach Each Summit. Did you hear the whole mountain reference, guys? <laughs> 15 Empowering Steps to Reach Each Summit. Now, tell us a little bit about your book because it's definitely you know, oriented on your passion for outdoors and mountains. Uh, give us a bit of a, a little history. Well, the, the, the idea of summit is, is a metaphor for everybody reaching their potential, their desires, their dreams, their goals, their calling, whatever it is. And so I use some references to climbing in that book. And so each step is about how do you get there? There's a lot of people out there that I would say don't really know what's, um, what they have or where they're going or what they want to uncover. And so it starts at the very beginning. You know, the first step is let's try to identify what that summit, that desire, that calling is, because it's there. It's in all of us. It's in everyone. It's, it's trying to help people identify what that calling and summit and desire is. And then, yeah, narrow it down to that. And then that's chapter one. And then every chapter after that, is about you know your why and your vision and your imagination and your faith and um, you know your, your your internal compass um, you know what it means to get to the top don't self sabotage yourself and um, you get to the top and you can't stay there because you know in order for you to learn you have to get back down reflect on your experience and whatever that summit is and then move on to the next summit. So it's, um, it's, I think about when I wrote it, I was thinking about all the climbs I've done over the years because it takes one step in front of the other to get to the top, right? Yeah, no, question. Do you have a number of how many summits you've actually made? Oh, a zillion. Um, I've done big ones. I've done a lot of big ones around the world. I've done Kilimanjaro a couple of times and I've been to Nepal five times and I did a a, a big peak uh, just recently in October. And I've done Mount Kenya and I've done uh, Mount Hood here in the States, Mount Rainier, um, Mount Whitney, which is the highest in the lower 48s. I've, I've climbed in South America and in Mexico. I mean, really around the world and Chile. So it's, um, I have quite an adventurous spirit and I'm really glad that I do. Because Dude, it was amazing. I, when I met you at that boot camp and you stood up and you said something about, you know, climbing Kilimanjaro or something, I went, what? I mean, mm -hmm. I caught you were, you were a professor and I, I never caught anything else. And then when you said you, what you climbed, I'm like, the amount of endurance it takes to climb any mountain, let alone the gigantic ones you've done. It was like, wow, I, I, I want to know this lady. I, I want to know more about her because 
like you said, it, you've used an analogy through your book about summits and mountains and climbing and the preparation. It's, it's actually, there's a lot of physical aspect to it, but it's more of a mental thing too. And that's what a lot of, what a lot of people don't realize is every summit you want to, you need to, you want to reach or your goal you want to reach. It's more mental than physical because your body will want to give out. But if your brain doesn't, you can keep going. That's right. That's, that's true and everything. But you think about, I mean, I think about your life and all the things you've had to overcome. I mean, you've had to put one foot in front of the other and it's all up here. I mean, how many times did you, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the details, but I know you have, you have gone through many, many summits. Many, and, many. Um, and, and you keep, you keep moving. You keep going on to the next summit, whatever. You can't stop, right? You know, you just keep going. There's what more. What I say is that's just another false summit. There's more. Wait, <laughs> there's more. I mean, you stop. You're like, oh, I made it. I made it. Wait a minute. Yes. I want the next one now. And you just. Exactly. But yeah. I, I, I'm so excited for that one. You have your book and that it's coming out and that you'll use their practical applications of real life things. Yeah. And so many times there are, there are so many coaches out there who have um, theoretical practices or things they've read about and why they work. Yours are physical, did work, you use them. And that's what I think separates the girls from the women in, in my book. Mm -hmm. Been there, did that, applied it in my own life. Mm -hmm. And you've got the physical, you've got like the flags of, and, the, and the pictures of you standing at the tops of mountains, which I find so exhilarating in itself. I don't want people to get confused, you know, I shouldn't say confused, but, but I oftentimes think that people think, Oh gosh, I can't relate to mountain climbing. I can't get up in a mountain. That I said, no, that that's not the point. The point is the journey, right? Yeah. Everybody can relate to whatever journey one is on, overcoming something or shooting for something or identifying your goals and dreams. You know, it's all it's finding that. parallels. Yeah, yeah, finding parallels in the stories. And honestly, I think so many, I mean, that's what our gift is to the world. We all experience different things. We're all supposed to go out and experience different things. We're not supposed to be robots of each other and we do everything the same. We experience different things at different levels at different times so that we can share those experiences. And whenever we find ourselves in whatever, you know, road, road marker we are on, we say, oh, I saw, you know, Renee did this and she did it when blah, 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 blah. And you apply it. Mm -hmm. So it never really has to match exactly, but it's what clicks in. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. I honestly have never climbed. I've only climbed one mountain my entire life and not in Colorado. It was in South Korea. Oh. Yeah. Is so, it a named one? It is, but I don't remember it because it has like 15 characters and I don't remember. <laughs> I just know when I finally got to the top, there was a gigantic, it made the Statue of Liberty look small, golden Buddha. Wow. It was beautiful. It yeah. was a painful hike up there, um, but it was the most beautiful sight. I've it's not Mount Fuji, is it? Or is, or is that in, is it Mount Fuji? No, Fuji's Japan. It's Japan. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, this was like 
chung something 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 little man <laughs> jumping on a trampoline something something i mean i don't remember but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure i have it in a scrapbook somewhere but it was the one mountain i, I actually climbed and yeah. i think i climbed it because i didn't realize it was mountain mm-hmm. I, it, it looked like a forest so i went i was going through these uh through a, a trail and then the trees went away and we just kept walking i'm like where are we going and in korea uh, a lot of people, they hike in business clothes. I know that sounds crazy. They're wearing suits and dresses and heels, and it's insane. They were coming back down the mountain in business clothes, business attire. So I'm like, okay, we got to be close. And we just kept going. <laughs> and at the top, it was a Buddhist temple with a giant golden Buddha. And oh. I remember thinking, I am not cut out for this mountain climbing thing. And my husband said, why? I said, because I am sweating like crazy. And they're all coming down the mountain without one drop of sweat on them in heels. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, you have to admire people who, you know, climb in crazy shoes like that or, or run in them. They have, I think, running events with people wearing heels, you know. Really? Yeah. Men and women, you have to wear heels in order to run on, you know, it's like a 5K or something. I don't know. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> I don't think so. No, but, I, I like my, I like my, my, my arches too much and my, my ankles too much to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, you have had such an amazing, adventurous life. And I mean, we're, we're concentrating on the mountains, but there is so much more you've done that um, people would be amazed and shocked about. And what I want them to realize is everyone's life is a journey. And in everyone, like you said, everyone, everyone has a summit in their life. Everyone's got, you know, the, the lower ends of your mountain where you start wanting to give up and you haven't even gotten to the top yet. Mm-hmm. And it takes an endurance mentality, a, a mental shift per se, <laughs> to realize, wait a minute, I got it in me. I've, I've done it a a bit of that before and now I can apply this this to the next that what I did before to this next level in my journey to get me to the next level and like you said once you get to the top you do wow this is great well you need endurance to get your butt back down Mm -hmm. so don't celebrate too soon because you still need to find the other way out and And that's where the that's where you learn the most is at the base of a mountain and people think you learn the most at the summit I disagree. You have to get down, take it all in, reflect on what you've just learned and gained, and then apply it for the next summit. Because at the top, you're just, you're elated, you're euphoric, you're like, I've done it, I made it, yip ya, and you're celebrating. But you're right, it takes energy to get back down. And that's where you take the time to really absorb what just happened, make some sense out of it, figure out what you would do differently the next time around and then um, move. And that's, that's leadership too. You know, it's, it's developing, you know, what you're going to do the next, the next summit. Are you going to make some changes? Are you going to um, alter the way you've, you've, you've created that path to the next one? So there's so much to learn from that. You know, it's, it's, um, and of course, we're all biased in our own little gifted ways. Um, but um, yeah, nature is, speaks, speaks volumes to me. And I think can, if people listen, can really speak volumes to people just being outside, being in awe of, you know, watching a little baby um, 
hummingbirds hatch in a nest, their tiny little eggs, or just, you know, watching the snow come down and walk in it, um, you know, walk in a storm, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it's like, wow, hard to get out in that storm. But when you're in it, you think, wow, there, there's some value to this. It's not so scary when you're in it, when you take the time to not be afraid of it. And again, that's metaphors to everything, isn't it? I think. Yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. Honestly, with me, with my coaching clients, when they're stuck, I tell them, go for a walk. Go for a walk, a nice long walk. And I'm not saying look down at your feet. I want you to look around you as you walk. And as you're walking, ask the question that you're stuck with. Ask it. And while you're walking, I can guarantee you, and I don't know what kind of mojo that is, but you will see an answer in the way a tree is bending that day or the way a bird comes down sweeping from the sky. You will find an answer in the oddest places and you'll do, oh, that's it. Yeah. It comes from around you, not yeah. inside here. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes you, it needs a trigger from the outside and nature tends to do that for me. So if I push my clients out, go, go, go for a walk. And yeah. one of the other things I, I really, like you said with the storm, walking in the storm, um, I grew up in the Philippines, so I'm very used to torrential rainstorms. And I remember learning so much from going into a full rainstorm. Now, those of you who've ever been in the tropics, you understand full rainstorm when I say that. You cannot see three inches from your face. It's coming down that hard and that fast. And I remember it hurt, but I was outside of it and I was watching the raindrops, big drops coming from the sky. And as painful and hard and huge those drops were, if you looked, they kind of slowed down as they were coming at you. And you can examine each droplet as it was coming down onto your face as I was looking up. And I realized when I'm in my, my storms of life, sometimes, yeah, it's scary to be in there. But if you stop and get quiet, you can examine everything that's hitting you. Yeah. There's something to learn from it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we're speaking the same language. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> it's it's a nature thing, and it's and a nature I, thing. I think that's why people, when they say, "Oh, I'm out," you know, I'm I'm writing my book. I went out into nature. Good. Mm -hmm. If they say, you know, I'm writing my book and I'm sitting in my office, I do. Hmm, yeah, that's gonna mm -hmm. be difficult. That's gonna be a long write mm -hmm. because it'll be stuck, stuck, stint, stenting you. No, not stenting stifling you that's the word I was looking for <laughs> yeah and it's it lends itself to informality so connecting with people in the outdoors is pretty amazing as well I've done some solo experiences like extended backpacking experiences I did the John uh, backpack the John Muir Trail as a retirement present to myself from my former uh, job as a professor and it was in California it's from Yosemite to Mount Whitney and I did that by myself in the wilderness. It took me 18 days. And uh, I chose to do that because I wanted to be by myself. I wanted to be in the wilderness because I think that is the, it speaks to me. Nature speaks to me and being quiet. Um, you learn an awful lot about, you know, what, what is being spoken to you, you know, my faith, all of those things. And when you meet people on the trail, you don't talk about, well, what do you do for your living? What do you, you know, the typical things you do when you're in, in civilization, people get right down to the core. So, you know, 
why are you doing this? And what does it mean to you to be on this trail by yourself as a female, you know, or, you know, I could meet somebody who was from Thailand. She was a female and in Thailand, backpacking is not one of their, they don't do that. It's not part of their culture. And for women, they take care of the family and they raise children. Well, she escaped that, and she was one of them that I met and was had never been to the United States, doesn't backpack, threw on a backpack, and off she went. I gave her so much credit for stepping out of her own culture and saying, this is what I want to do, but defying her, her family and her culture by doing this. So, you know, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. So Great. I had some really interesting conversations with you know, people that you don't, uh, typical conversations you don't have with, with people generally. But in the outdoors, it brings down, it brings out some depth. I like so, that. Yeah. You will never see me on a long hike like that. Just <laughs> <laughs> are, are you sure? <laughs> I'm quite sure. I love to be out there, but not at night. Uh, I'm, I'm a little afraid of that. I think I, I used to love camping. And I think um, the one night I woke, well, the next morning I woke up, that night I heard noises. No big deal. The next morning I woke up and there was bear poop right outside my door. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm like, hmm. a flimsy tent. Yeah, I was just thinking if I had any food in here, I'd be gone right now. And then I started teasing. I made a, I did a whole I guess I would call it a stand-up routine, but I was joking about being a, a, a human burrito for the bear in the, in the woods. And, you know, wh why would I do this to myself? And I stopped camping because of, of the fear of being eaten by a bear. And my husband's like, really? That's what stopped you? I do. He was right outside my tent. <laughs> you know, in the Philippines, we had you no know, snakes and spiders. You know, we had big creatures, but nothing that would eat us like that, you know? <laughs> nothing harmful yeah. no they were harmful but you no know, they had to get in and oh. I wasn't worried about a snake coming in or anything like that they I don't know something about something with big sharp pointy teeth that kind of messed me up creepy crawlies I could probably handle but big sharp pointy teeth kind of stopped me I said the next camping trip I go to I'm going to be in a giant metal box <laughs> with a door and a horn and, a, and an ignition and my husband's like and we moved to Colorado <laughs> Oh, that's, funny. that's funny, huh? So how, how things kind of shifted in my brain. It was like, I was so can, I, can I ask you questions? Sure. Okay. So how did you get here? Are you, were you born and raised in the Philippines? Um, I was actually not born and raised. I was born in uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey. Okay. And then moved to the Philippines before I was, I think, six months old. And then I was there for 15 years. Okay. And um, moved to... Omaha, but the reason I got to Colorado is my high school sweetheart joined the military, and we've been hopping the world as a military couple, and uh, my sister moved here, then my baby sister moved here, then my mother moved there, moved here too, and I figured all the sisters were here, and when my husband got offered a job out in Colorado Springs, I said, my sisters are there, my mom is there. Yeah. So we came out here and fell in love. I mean, we've been around the world and Colorado was, it had everything we liked about everything else, except it didn't have an ocean. And then we realized Colorado Springs has an airport. We can get to an ocean. We liked everything else. Mm -hmm. So we stayed. Oh, nice. It's gorgeous. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah, I love Colorado Springs too. Yeah. That's I'm from the Chicago area. Really? Yeah, originally. Um, and then, but I haven't lived there in a hundred years. Um, but you know, and I moved around the country. I lived in Wyoming, I lived in Texas, I lived in Virginia, I lived in Michigan, um, you know, for various, you know, graduate school and that sort of thing. But I'm a Western girl. My, my heart's in the, in the West and I love the mountains. I just need water. Yeah. But right now, the snow on the, on the peaks is water enough for me. They're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I just enjoy the journey of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no, I don't climb mountains. Well, my husband climbs mountains and then he tells me about it. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my thought about it all was to each his own of what they enjoy. I love the pictures from the mountains now, but I, I'm, I'm a ground person. I can walk for miles and miles and miles. I mean, I love to walk, but, mm -hmm. and I love hills. I know that sounds weird, but I do. I like, I like the inclines. Uh, I like the incline. I just don't want to go past that. I, for some reason, I don't want to go higher. Uh, I can't remember the mountain he went up to and I went, no, I don't want to go. And I'm so glad I didn't, but, um, it's here in Colorado Springs. I, my husband brought me by it and it looked like Mordor from Lord of the Rings. It was this big jagged mountain. <laughs> and I went, you're going to climb that? He goes, no, we're going to climb that. I went, no, that just looks so ominous. And, uh, the day he went and climbed it, they were like halfway up the mountain and it, there was a lightning storm. Colorado, for those of you who don't know, is known for lightning storms about three o'clock in the afternoon in the fall. And uh, during the fall seasons, for some reason, it likes to start lightning storms around three o'clock in the afternoon. And they were only halfway, like maybe a quarter way up the mountain and they had to turn around because of all the lightning strikes on the mountain. Is, is that common in mountain climbing? And oh, yes. Really? Yeah. That's why when you're when peak when people do peak ascents, they start early, early in the morning. It depends. Morning. Kilimanjaro was midnight, um, so you want to get up and down the mountain before the snow gets too soft. And you know, if it's a snowy peak or you know, weather tends to move in after noontime and early afternoon. So you want to get up and down off the peak. So you leave the crack of dawn. You know, depending on the mountain. Oh yeah. The reason I brought that up was, there's, there's actually science behind all of it. In life, as you're going for your ascent of whatever goal you're after, one, you have to have a plan on how to get there, right? And then you also have to have a plan on what if things don't go the way they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So you don't just willy-nilly go towards a, a goal and do, gosh darn it, I'm just going to go straight. No, you've got to plan for, okay, I need water. Um, what if such and such happens? Do I have enough food to get up there? I do need energy, but I don't want anything that makes me sleepy. I don't want it to be heavy. There's planning that goes on on goal set. And that's why, dun, 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 I come back to why I'm trying to get to, having a coach in your life is so important mm -hmm. because you need someone who, who can see from outside of you and see the path you're going on. Because when you get excited about something, let's say reaching the top of that mountain, you, your only thing you have in your mind is I'm gonna get to the top, right in life, right? In life, I'm gonna get to that top. You need someone from the outside who says, well, to get to the top, make sure you, you there's certain levels that you need to hit 
that you know you're making it to the top or that you haven't gotten off the path and you're actually going around the mountain and not up the mountain, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah, it's the value of coaching is, um, you know, this is where sometimes words are cheap because unless you really get that and, and experience it, it uh, you'll never turn away from it because it's a growth thing. I mean, I have a coach. I'm sure you have a coach. I've got five. And we're both coaches, right? You know, so how, how's that work? If you're a coach, I guess you don't need a coach. No, no, you do need a coach because we're human, right? Practice yeah. what you preach. When you get so into whatever you're in, you need someone else to see from the outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is more than a mentor. I mean, so like if I wanted to climb a mountain, I would hire Renee to be my mentor because as a mentor, they've been there, did that, know the path. A coach doesn't have to have walked that exact path. So you don't have to find a coach that's exactly in your field. What a coach does is sees from the outside and looks in and says, well, what about, well, how about, well, what would you do if, and ask questions that will help you figure out mm -hmm. your path. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between coaches and mentors. That's right. Mm -hmm. A yeah. coach does not need to know exactly what you do. Yeah, and also, and they and they're not uh, people to give advice. You know, they, you know, that's not that that's not the way I coach anyway. No, and, and that's unless, the thing. unless someone asks, unless someone needs some advice, and I can pr provide that. But it's about helping that person navigate on their own. You you help them navigate, and they come up with their own answers, and that's the empowering part, right? Yes, I mean, and that's what the power of coaching is. That's why I said that you don't need to be, it hasn't had to be in exactly your genre or whatever you're in, because mm -hmm. it is answers from within. And what mm -hmm. people don't realize coaches do is that coaches pull your answers out. The thing is, is what we don't realize is we already know the answers, we just don't know the questions to ask ourselves to get the right answer out. Mm -hmm. That's what coaches do, yeah. we guide. Yeah. Guide the mind. You know, you, um, I got my, I, I've been a coach and a mentor most of my life with my former students, but I got my official training through John Maxwell. And mm -hmm. I know you were, you too? Yeah, so, I mean, so you were speaking very similar to how that coaching system is. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, because, you know, um, just starting off, um, he talks about the distinction between, you know, therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm a therapist. The difference between a mentor, you know, and and a coach. So, you know, it's it was interesting to look at it from that those perspectives. And then, you know, it's it's about empowering the the person, the, the client, and coming up with their own answers. So um, you're, we're both John Maxwell coaches. And with me, I, what I realized with John Maxwell is when they said, oh, you know, you, you have to go to a certification event. And I said, I don't want to be certified. I'm not a coach. They said, why are you here? I said, because I'm here for my own self-development. And they said, so the questions you're asking yourself, uh, that's for you. I said, yeah. And they do, do the same questions to someone who wants you as a coach. And it was like, really? Yes. Yeah. Asking questions is magical. And yeah. I, I love that. I love that about being a coach that it doesn't matter what my experience is. 
I can guide you by asking the right questions. And when your client or your, the person in front of you is talking, questions pop into a coach's mind doing, well, what about? Have you thought of? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We hear, we listen. Mm-hmm. Do you really remember good. the activity that Christian Simpson does at the IMC? His juggling act? Juggling acts. It's perfect because that's such a great example of what coaching is. You're working with a partner and you're asking them, um, well, why do you think that, that the ball keeps dropping? And they answer, well, why do you think this? Why do you think this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then eventually their partner is juggling. And it's such a great, you know, simple example. But, but that is, my light bulbs went off when, when I went through that exercise because that was powerful for people. And for those of you who don't know, in the John Maxwell team, we have a, a team of leader coaches, basically head coaches, and Christian is one of them. And I remember my first event, uh, we, we have an online pro, uh, platform and you can learn on your own from home before you go to your certification. And I was completely locked on Christian. So when I went to the certification event and he did the juggling thing and I went to his breakout session, I went, you've been playing in my head for, for, for six months. He says, playing in your head? I said, yeah, I've got a brain injury. So I couldn't, at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't watch videos. And Christian's a very mellow man in his videos. He talks mm-hmm. like this. And my brain just couldn't do the voice <laughs> and the face. So I downloaded just the audio and I was listening to him at night. And so when I got to his breakout session, I remembered everything he had said. And I said, you've been playing in my head for months. He has. <laughs> I had to explain to him that I'm not crazy, uh, but just the way my brain works nowadays. But yeah, I joined the John Maxwell team um, very shortly after my brain injury, right when I found out. Actually, I was at my certification event when I found out I had a traumatic brain injury because I passed out in opening ceremonies. Oh, you did? Oh, God. All the lights. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the music and yeah. The whole room was vibrating and I was like, yeah, this is great. And I went, Dunk. the next thing I knew it was, um, oh gosh, someone found me outside and picked me up. Uh, Ed, Ed DaCosta. Oh, okay. He found me outside with, a, with another John, uh, John Maxwell coach and she was trying to figure out what was going on with me. She knew I had a brain injury because I told her when I got to my table and the two of them got me back up to my room because I couldn't see. And that's when we found out I had a traumatic brain injury. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Did you stay for the event then? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Yeah, I just didn't go into the room uh, for the openings. Yeah. Because yeah. the lights and the music were messing me up. And mm-hmm. then um, for the rest of the sessions, I would keep earplugs in because my ears were too sensitive. So I could hear them, but it wasn't too loud. Yeah, yeah. I, I found workabouts because... I want to get certified. I came all the way out there to Florida. I was by golly going to get certified. I went through all the online classes already. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Determined like that. Mm-hmm. Good. So you could be a climber. I know. Um, uh, the other Renee out of the boot camp wants me to go climbing with her more. So let's see what happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's the other Renee? Uh, April Renee. Oh, April Renee. You're right, right, right. Yeah, April Renee. Mm-hmm. That's why your name always messes me up because I see, you know, Renee, the right. regular Renee, not uh-huh. the German Renee. Right. 
Right. <laughs> Talk well, to my parents about that. No, I love the way your name is spelled. That, that's pretty cool. I wish yeah. I knew you before so I could have named one of my kids that. That's beautiful. <laughs> so for those of you who've just stepped in and you're just now listening and you're like, who, who is Michelle talking to today? I'm talking to Renee Kessler. And she wrote a book called Achieving Your Potential, 15 Empowering Steps to Reach Each Summit. And although she has an analogy with mountains because she's a crazy, crazy, wonderful mountain climber, it applies to all life. And that's why I wanted her on the, the Mental Shift podcast because I wanted to share one, that she has a book with 15 steps that are applicable to anybody. And that two, she's just a really cool lady that you wouldn't normally stumble across and not realize what you would have met her. And she would have said, yeah, I'm, I used to be a professor, but now I'm retired. That's how she introduced herself to me. So that's all I saw. And then she was, oh yeah, I've climbed Kilimanjaro and I've climbed this and I'm climbing that. I'm like, you, you held out on us on what you really, really did. And she's just so modest about it. And that I, I wanted to share her story because she is an adventure co coach and she is a speaker. And what's amazing about it is one, she's a really good speaker, but what you don't realize with, she calls herself an adventure coach is life is an adventure. And that's why I really liked all of that. I'm like, life is an adventure. You are, a, you do the whole thing. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. now, Renee, I have to ask you one last question. Sure. What bit of advice would you like to leave with the audience? Um, one tidbit of something that you that kind of resonates with you that keeps you moving towards your summits and back down. What could you share? What would you like to share? Well, I think these are challenging times, right? You know, um, you know, it's it's altered the way you know oftentimes that we think and how we behave and how we conduct our our daily schedules have all been, you know, disrupted. And um, I think you know. You know, people say this, but it's stay the course. Um, we will get through this and we will be resilient beyond this. And if you are a person who is listening to this and sees your life as a glass that's half full, then by all means, you know, pass that on to other people who see the glass half empty because you have a gift to pass on to other people. Everybody has something to give to someone else and everyone has those gifts. So it's about recognizing those and tapping into those so that you can be something to other people and not just yourself. Uh, and we, we'll get through this because we're a team of people, whoever that, whoever your team is, you know, you rely on other people. You're not an island. You got to get through this with other people. You can't do it by yourself. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that because yeah, we're all in this together. The universe unplugged us and now they're about to reset us. And we now know that it doesn't matter if we're black, brown, green, orange, purple, rich, poor, third world country, first world country. We are all human and we're all on the same boat. Mm -hmm. reach out to people. You're not an island. We're mm -hmm. in it all together. Yeah. So please um, connect with connect with Renee. Find her book. Go get it. Go to her website. It's her name. So her name is, uh, well, is at the beginning of the podcast and it's also in all the descriptions, but her name is Renee Kessler and it's www. I'm going to spell it because it's German. So it's spelled different. www.rena.com. 
K-O-E-S-L-E-R.com. You'll see it at the beginning of the podcast and in the, in the descriptions, but go to her website, find her, and can they find your book on your website? Yes, my book is on my website, and they can also find it through Amazon, either way. Excellent. Okay, so you know how to find the book, you know how to reach out to Renee, and you know, if you need an adventure coach, because life is an adventure, if you need a speaker, because a lot of them are virtual right now, reach out to Renee, because she's pretty amazing, and her stories are, I'm telling you, mind-blowing. Have a great weekend, everyone. Have a great week, wherever you are in the world. Be the best version of you, and if you really want to do me a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the anchor.fm forward slash mental shift and share this with your friends. Because right now we all need a little guidance up our, our mountains as we reach our different summits. Because right now we all got to a summit when, wait a minute, there's another peak out there. So welcome to the world and everything's fine. You're not an island. We're on it together. Have a great week and be the best version of you. Thank you.